Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 67. I am your host, Steve Heinrich, and this is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. This episode is being recorded and released on Thursday, May 2nd, 2019. Happy May, everybody. And visit pixelswim.com for all of the show notes and social links if you want to follow along, leave feedback, or anything else. So, uh, yeah, that's it for this week as far as an intro goes. But so let's dive in to our weekly feedback notes and links. So last week, I actually forgot to mention feedback from Keith Bartlett, who uh, emailed after the preview or after a couple episodes go after episode 65. And it was kind of cool because Keith actually said uh, sent a picture of my, the Pixel Swim podcast running on his Nokia 8110 4G. <laughs> so he said after discovering he can watch BBC player iPlayer via the browser, he thought he would give a podcast uh, the next test via the browser. And so he sent a picture of the 8110, which is the feature phone, the, the Nokia banana phone <laughs> with the slide out. Uh, keyboard t9 keyboard and it shows uh, the pixel swim podcast playing on the screen which is pretty pretty cool to see so it was actually kind of getting me a little bit curious about how it held up as far as battery instability while he was playing the episode and he uh, i asked him in that after he sent the initial email and he said the battery is great it played back perfectly the screen goes off but the podcast like the music player uh, can continued and he says the phone doesn't have what WhatsApp yet. And I think that actually has changed in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but he says it's the smartest feature phone that he's ever owned. And he says the Nokia 8110 and 4G, uh, 8110 4G in India has a later firmware, firmware, which allows for WhatsApp. So, yeah, like I said, I think that that actually is updated now. I think I saw that on the PSC community that the 8110 has the ability to use the the WhatsApp uh, messenger now. So, but yeah, thanks Keith for reaching out about that. Sorry, I forgot you last time, but yeah, we got you in now. So, and just thank you also to Kyle Helms who reached out via Twitter, uh, Twitter direct messages, which you can do if we both follow each other on Twitter, then you can, we can send each other direct messages or I guess I could open up my DMs, but I don't think that that's going <laughs> to be a good thing. So Either way, Kyle mentioned that he also had a Sony digital camera. I think he said it was a five megapixel one. So last time I talked about having that Sony CyberShot 2.1 megapixel digital camera that was basically useless, expensive, useless. So and actually kind of thinking about that in general, I it's it's kind of one of those. I wonder how, what we're going to look back on these days uh, that's going to seem like a useless piece of technology that was expensive <laughs> i mean uh obviously immediately the galaxy fold kind of comes in to play there because of the, all the problems that have been going on with that but i guess it's anytime you early adopt on a technology you're going to pay a lot and probably not get the best experience but yeah so that's kind of how it was for my digital digital camera starting off with digital cameras that's that's how it went for me but yeah thanks kyle and keith for your feedback that's it for the feedback this week so with that said we're gonna go into the lgg6 weekly report and of course this is the section that i give you an update on anything that's been going on specifically with my lgg6 and just to keep myself accountable to and using it hopefully throughout all of 2019. And this week, it's actually last couple of weeks, I feel like I've been 
I've been phone shopping and trying to keep myself from getting any any other device. And actually, the what I have in this weekly report is going to make it a little easier to stick with this G6. So I, I mentioned last week that the SD card was getting pretty filled up and the storage was kind of overflowing. And I thought it was uh, because of just general Android data on the SD card from, you know, different apps over a long period of time from different devices and stuff like that. It added up. Uh, I actually found out what was wrong with, uh, I should say, I I found the culprit uh, that was hogging up most of the SD card. And it turns out that it was actually a podcast addict. And essentially what happened is I don't know when or how or why, but I didn't have any settings on in the settings and podcast addict for cleaning up the old episodes that I download. <laughs> and so, yeah, so there was uh, 433 podcast episodes just sitting on the SD card that I've already listened to. And you know, obviously this is added up over time and they just sit there because there's no, nothing in the settings that's telling Podcast Addict to delete these. So basically I had to go into the the setting. Well, first I, I cleared out all the podcasts in Podcast Addict. Uh, you can, you know, select all of the the played episodes that are just sitting there. There's downloads. There's a download section in Podcast Addict that you can access and see all of the episodes that are currently on your device. And luckily, I only had three that were I hadn't actually listened to yet. But there was those extra 433 that were already listened to and just sitting there. So I I, I deleted those out of there in that download section. Uh, didn't take very long, uh, which was really nice considering it was probably about 20 gigabytes of podcasts just sitting there. And yeah, this is kind of a general theme with Podcast Addict is it does everything really fast and you can pretty much do anything in it. (laughs) Like deleting a bunch of episodes at once is actually very easy to do. And so that's uh, just another feature for anybody (laughs) looking for a podcast player for Android. I can't suggest Podcast Addict enough. So either way, I went into the settings after I cleaned all the episodes up and I did. I turned on the automatic cleanup option and basically it will go in and delete. And I set a, a time frame for that automatic cleanup to just delete any episodes that are older than one week. And that's based on the download date, not the published date. So if I'm, you know, going because I go back, there's a couple of podcasts that I go back and listen to very old episodes and work my way through. So it's not basing it on when the episode was published. It's based on when it was downloaded. So, yeah, that's a really nice, again, just a, the perfect way to set that up for me, because sometimes I'll listen to an episode a couple of times, especially tech podcasts. Usually I don't get all the information the first time around or, you know, the first time I listen to it, I'm doing something else, you know, so I like to go back and listen sometimes again. So usually that's within a week. So I figured a week, you know, after a week, if I'll, you know, I'll have to go down and download it again if I really want to listen to it. So uh, hopefully that'll take care of my 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 SD card storage issue because it jumped way back down after I deleted all those episodes because, uh, yeah, clearly that was what was going on. So just glad to have figured that out because honestly, that makes it, you know, I, I was <laughs> I think I mentioned last week I was getting ready to factory reset and and just kind of start all over with it. But clearing those up made, you know, kind of ease my mind a bit about doing anything like that. And I've, I, I kind of mentioned apps opening slower. Uh, I, I think it, there was just a couple apps that were were not 
were not optimized very well recently. And one of them was uh, Microsoft Edge because I've been using the Edge browser on Android quite a bit uh, and kind of switched over to Opera for the time being. But there was an update to Edge and it seems like it's much faster now. But it still doesn't seem quite optimized yet uh, because the, usually when you load it up and it loads up all of the the tabs that are open on the tab page in Microsoft Edge, uh, I've noticed that it, you know, it loads in that first tab in the list usually reloads while you're in the tab page. So uh, and you can kind of see it happening in the little tab preview. And I just th- I think that Microsoft Edge on Android isn't quite optimize perfectly yet but you know uh, there's updates coming and for now i'm just going to use uh the opera browser on there I, th- I think i was using i talked about opera touch in the past i didn't really like that one i kind of moved on from opera touch because the way that they manage tabs in there isn't as straightforward as just a regular regular browser app that you know kind of puts a tab page uh, that's easily tap, one tap access uh, in, in Opera Touch. You kind of have to touch and hold the control at the bottom. There's like a menu control at the bottom floating button. And then it pulls up all of the some options of the tabs that are open. And then there's an option to go to the tab page. So it's a touch and a hold. And then you got to hold and drag over to the to get to the tab page. So uh, it's kind of a small hurdle to get over, but it's kind of noticeable when you do when you're mainly kind of navigate by tabs in a browser. So yeah, I'm just onto the regular Opera browser on Android right now. That's running really fast. And uh, yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on Microsoft Edge, though, because I'd like to to go back to that. But yeah, other than that, I think that's it for this week with my LG six. And yeah, it's kind of going it's back on track. (laughs) And I like I said, I've been looking at other devices, it's hard not to Uh, honestly, I really haven't been too enticed by much of anything, just because uh, I think I mentioned this in the past, I'm kind of sitting out the notch. (laughs) So I'm not really looking to get a device that has a notch in it. And honestly, the uh, the pinhole or the the punch hole, whatever you want to call it is more appealing. And I think I would get a device with a with a punch hole in it, uh, versus a notch at the top of the screen. Uh, But all of the devices that I think I would want, uh, like mainly the Moto G7 Power has a has a notch at the top of it. And yeah, it's not that big a deal. I get that. You know, it's like, just get over it. You'll get over it. You'll get used to it, that kind of thing. But I yeah, I'm kind of just sticking firm <laughs> with uh, with not going with a notched phone for now. And especially that kind of keeps me using this G6 as well, uh, kind of makes it less tempting to get a different device. But yeah, anyway, let's close out the LG G6 weekly report. All right, so let's move on in the notes here. I'm not sure how much longer the episode will be. Again, just trying to squeeze these babies in these days. So uh, either way, let's go through a quick update on my Plex server situation. Uh, this is might not be much of a surprise, but I am still ripping DVDs. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at uh, with that. As of this recording, I'm actually done with the movies finally that we have, and it added up to uh, drum roll, please, a 258 movies. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have 258 movies in our DVD collection. And they are all now on the Plex server, which is my old laptop. And I'm still, like I said, I'm still ripping things because I am on to the TV shows now. And the reason I kind of did these separate is because you have to go through a batch mode in uh, Magic DVD Ripper, which makes things really 
nice and easy, honestly. And so it, it has been working really well. I, I started ripping uh, TV series and, and, you know, the first time trying to figure out how to do it was very easy and very intuitive. So I can definitely suggest Magic DVD Ripper for any sort of batch thing like that. Uh, the one thing is, is that you when you put in the DVD, it doesn't, you know, on the, the DVD itself, it labels everything as a title, like title one, title two, and it just numbers all of them. And you kind of have to wade through all of the title files on the DVD and match up the episode with that title. Uh, luckily, there's a little preview button in Magic DVD Ripper, so you can select the title and and you know play it. Play, you could literally play the entire thing if you wanted to in a little pop-up window. And uh, luckily, a lot of the titles, obviously, that some of the information that they include with each title is the runtime of the of the whatever the video file is on the DVD. And so uh, like if I'm ripping a TV show, which I've been doing uh, The Office, uh, the US version, and there, you know, a lot of the episodes are 20, you know, 22 minutes long ish, you know, so you can see in the titles that there are there, you know, there's 22 minute videos on there. That's probably an episode, Uh, but it's actually not as straightforward as that, because on these DVDs, there's actually different uh, there's, there, there's actually been some other title files that are 22 minutes long and there's like repeated files on there were repeated episodes. And so essentially there could be, I've noticed this isn't on every single one of them, but it's on quite a bit of them of the DVDs that it actually has two or three title files for one of the episodes on there. And so uh, because they all run very similarly in length and even down to the second, you have to check each one of those to see if it's the next episode that you're looking for. So basically, I have uh, IMDb pulled up in uh, a Chrome window on, uh, you know, on half of the screen. And then the other half, I'm picking through the title files and trying to match them up with uh, with what's on the DVD as far as the episodes go. And then I have the, the DVD insert that shows which episodes are on each disc. So I don't keep going, you know, if, I, if there's only so many on a disc, I don't want to keep looking through the title files once I found the last one. So it's kind of a painful process a little bit to get through each disc. But once you get it set up, you just put them all in the batch and you press play on the batch window and it goes through and rips each episode. And, and then I, I obviously have to name the files correctly because there is a good uh, a preferred way or a, a way you're supposed to name episodes in Plex. And it's kind of the way I've seen them in the past. If you've ever uh downloaded them illegally. Uh, If you've ever downloaded an episode, you'll note that there's kind of a naming convention that they go with as far as season and episode number. So uh, in this case, uh, it would be the office uh, space dash space uh, S01 E01, which would be season one, episode one. And basically, Plex will then go through that file name and find all of the metadata based on that so it knows which episode it is and it will pull in the the metadata for that episode which is really nice and there's they've got a nice little help article that'll show you how to how to kind of name the files based on different situations and stuff for tv series so and with all that said i'm like i said i'm working my way through the office seasons uh right now i think i'm on season eight and 
I would hate to have to do this for any sort of TV series that I haven't seen yet. So if there's a, if we have, I don't know if there's a DVD series we own that I haven't seen, but it would make it much more difficult if I didn't know what the episode was, if I had never seen it, because I wouldn't be able to identify the storyline with, you know, just watching a few seconds in the middle of the episode. So luckily I've seen all the, the office episodes and it's easy to, to match up the the title on the DVD with the episode number. So, but yeah, that's kind of where I am with the Plex server situation. And it's just going to keep going with these TV series. Shouldn't, uh, it would probably take a few more weeks to be honest, uh, just to get through this office DVD. I think it's going to, the office series is going to take me all week. So, I mean, there are 38 discs in that. So it's, uh, you know, quite a few to get through. But we charge on and eventually the whole will have everything up there. So that's, uh, you know, just part of the archiving slash building of the library. So anyway. OK, so another little bit of news in my tech world of this week is I, I'll explain this in a minute, but I got a Fitbit and I say I bought I should say I bought a Fitbit. And the reason that I bought this Fitbit, and hopefully she won't listen to this episode before this coming Monday, but my wife is actually graduating from uh, her degree, getting her degree in mechanical engineering. And so Monday, this she's she's done with all her finals as of this recording, and Monday she will be graduating. So we're I'm super excited and just want to congratulate her to the fullest. She worked her ass off. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I've never seen anybody work so hard at something because uh, she's not naturally a genius at the math stuff. So she had to work really hard to get this and she's uh, she's earned it. But either way, I got a Fitbit for her for her graduation present because in the past we've tried, we've tried or kind of really talked about getting a, a fitness tracker to kind of, you know, just uh, be able to improve on our outlook on our health and to, you know, kind of get some data and some feedback on on how we're doing. And uh, as far as sleep goes, as far as steps and heartbeats and and stuff like that and, and beats per minute and, you know, all the stuff that the Fitbit offers up. So we did try. I think I mentioned this in the past that we tried uh, these these other knockoff uh, Xiaomi Mi Bands in the past that were not very good. I, I, I primarily use mine. Luckily, they were only about $17, I think, that we paid for those. But those were not were not good and not a good experience. She didn't really use hers. And the app that accompanied those knockoffs was not very good. So this time around, I wanted, you know, because she's graduating, I wanted to get a Fitbit for her because this is something that we should probably should have done in the first place. And because I didn't want to skimp out uh, and get a get a cheapo fitness band or fitness tracker, whatever you want to call it. So uh, I did look briefly at the Amaze Fit Bip smartwatch by Huami. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm saying that Huami. I actually saw that one torn down on the Jerry Rig Everything YouTube channel. It's a fitness watch. I think it's recently. I'll put a link to that video in the show notes. But he was it's a smartwatch. And so essentially he tore that down. It's a it's a cheap one. I think it's about $80. And it, it has like a 30 day battery life, something crazy. 
And I kind of looked at that one to potentially get for her, but I didn't go with that because I just, the, the reviews were that the app wasn't that great with it. And, you know, I just kind of felt like it was going to be going down a similar route as that, as that, uh, knockoff fitness tracker that we got in the past. Not that it would be bad. It would probably be a lot better, but I figured let's go with the, the top name in fitness bands, <laughs> Fitbit. So, and also Fitbit, uh, they, they kind of earned my, my, uh, nod because, they supported Windows 10 Mobile for far longer than they really had to. Uh, they they came out and said, you know, basically that we're, you know, yeah, we're going to continue supporting Windows 10 Mobile. And I think it's because the the app is a UWP app on Windows 10. But either way, I'm not sure if they still do support Windows 10 Mobile. And I actually did look at the app uh, once briefly with uh, somebody else's Fitbit connected to it. It wasn't really that great, but it still was supported. So it's better than nothing if you're on Windows 10 mobile. So Fitbit, uh, in my eyes, is kind of the top of the the list for in, in my in my book. So either way, the one that I got for her was the Fitbit Inspire HR activity tracker, activity tracker and heart rate plus heart rate. Uh, it's the black version. I'll put a link to this in the show notes, of course. And so it, it looks a lot like any other Fitbit. I think it has like an AMOLED display on it. Uh, so basically, you all of the the kind of activities that it tracks or is it, it does, has activity and sleep tracking. It's a uh, swim proof. So you can use it in the pool or, you know, just wear it at all times pretty much. It has a five day battery up to five days of battery life, 24 uh, seven heart rate monitor. Uh, we'll show you your sleep stages and it will it's a uh, more precise uh, calorie burn tracking, I'm guessing than previous models. But uh, yeah, so it's like, like I said, it's got a little bit little AMOLED display on it, which is really nice. And it has some basic features that kind of make it similar to a smartwatch as far as getting notifications and stuff. If you're near your phone, but it's not like a full blown smartwatch, which isn't really what we we're looking for. We we're really looking for a smartwatch necessarily, just something for activity tracking with a nice and, and good app to kind of see it in uh, in an overview, see all your activity in an overview. So so like I said, I got the the black version, black face and body with the black band. And in the box, it comes with a small and a large wristband which is nice that they do that out of the box. And but I also because it is her graduation and I figured let's, uh, let's class it up a little extra. I did also get the uh, the rose gold metal mesh wristband for it. So I know she likes the rose gold rolls. <laughs> it's a little bit of tongue twister for me. Rose gold uh, color in metal. And so they have the official Fitbit version of that. You can also get a whole bunch of different bands. Uh, like if you check on eBay or Amazon, they offer a whole bunch of bands for that. But I got her the official Fitbit one because it actually has a clasp to keep things in place. Some of the metal ones that I saw on eBay and stuff were or are using uh, metal or magnetic clips instead of actually clipping in to itself. And so I didn't think that that would be secure enough if she was, you know, doing some heavy work or something. And so, yeah, I got the official Fitbit one. Plus, you know, it's your graduation. So I splurge a little bit on that. Yeah, it was almost as much as the watch itself, but it was worth it. But yeah, so I'll let everybody know how that is when I get it in and get it set up for her. 
and hopefully she'll want to keep it. I'm not going to unpack it until she's ready to keep it. So, um, but I thought it would be a nice, you know, nice gift to kind of get started off into the, the workforce and, and have that to, to track everything she's doing during the day. So fingers crossed. <laughs> but with that said, I actually thought about this for myself. I think I kind of got turned off by, by fitness trackers because of that horrible experience with the knockoff one. I, it, that's my fault, obviously, but it, you know, it just kind of disgruntled me just a little bit, but either way, I, I, I thought about getting one of these uh, Fitbit inspires for myself as well. Uh, but I'm not quite sure. I'm going to see how the one is that, that she has and then see if that's kind of what I would like to go with as well. But, uh, I actually have looked at I've actually looked at this in the past too. is getting a cheap pebble watch, uh, kind of an old, not necessarily an old one, but something like the pebble Two plus heart rate, uh, something along those lines would actually work, too, uh, because basically I have a golf GPS app that I use on my phone uh, that shows the yardage, etc. Uh, I've talked about this in the past, too, at some point, but I would be able to use the Pebble with that app because in the app settings, there's actually a checkbox to turn on Pebble support. So essentially, it'll throw the the yardages to the watch uh, if, if you have it connected up to your phone. And uh, Pebble isn't necessarily dead on Android or dead in general, because <laughs> I know Pebble as a company, I think Fitbit is actually who bought Pebble. So with that said, the Pebble hardware itself, the older Pebble hardware is actually still supported by third party kind of apps and developers. So it's not completely useless. I know it's not the same kind of setup, but there, you know, if I can use this golf GPS app with it, that's kind of all I really want it for is so I don't have to, you know, check my phone, I can just take a peek at the wrist and, and know my yardage. So uh, especially because golf season is here now. So it's uh, the weather's finally getting decent enough, although it hasn't stopped raining here in the past by about four or five days. So I haven't been able to get out there yet. But at some point I will. And uh, I kind of want to try, you know, just a cheap pebble watch, you can get them on eBay from anywhere between 20 and and $70. So I'm thinking about just, you know, trying that out at the low end of that and, and see how well that works, because I think that would be, you know, just be nice to have uh, to have that option. But yeah, so that's kind of an update on my, I guess, on the the smartwatch slash slash fitness tracker portion of my life that's going on right now that I've kind of forced into being here. But yeah, so uh, I, I think that's it as far as that goes. But uh, the last couple things that I want to share here, are a couple links, uh, one that's kind of depressing and one that is uh, not as depressing, kind of interesting. But uh, the first one is an article on a website called McDreamy Musings. I'm not sure, uh, I've never come across this website before, but essentially the title of it is called Death by PowerPoint, the slide that killed seven people. <laughs> yeah, this is actually kind of a, a well, I don't want to say depressing read, but it's kind of a sad read as far as uh, the, act, the, the reality of it. So basically this kind of goes over the NASA mission STS-107, which is a space shuttle Columbia mission uh, that launched back in 2003. And basically after they launched, I'll give you the kind of general overview of it. But uh, basically after they launched a piece of foam, uh, damaged the ship as it was going into, as it was launching. And so basically they were trying to decide whether or not to 
re-enter the atmosphere with the 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 space shuttle that they had or send up kind of a rescue crew another space shuttle to rescue this crew uh, from the damaged ship and essentially what it boiled down to was that the way that they kind of gave the briefings on how they wanted to what what the risks and the all of the you know the math and the percentages came down to is they gave overviews in PowerPoint presentations of these things. And so essentially, it kind of breaks down and it shows the slide that they they kind of reference here. It, it basically comes down to this one PowerPoint slide that was very badly designed, uh, designed in a, is a kind of a, an overreaching word here, because it looks like, you know, it's if, if you're not putting together a hierarchy of, of text and and important things uh, correctly onto a PowerPoint, the message can get lost. And so uh, I highly suggest checking out this uh, link, the link in the show notes. Again, this is called Death by PowerPoint, the slide that killed seven people. So I'll I'll let you (laughs) guess how it ended up basically, you know, with this slide that didn't portray the information in a clear enough way. Uh, Yeah, so I'll, I'll let you read the article, you can kind of assume how it how it all turned out uh, and, and how important hierarchy of design is when it comes to presenting information, especially in a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, I've worked on a lot of PowerPoint presentations in my, in my job and in life and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's, it can be, you know, the message can get lost if you don't do it right. And this is kind of one of those extreme fringe cases where a bad PowerPoint, you know, led to tragedy. So yeah, I'm sorry. That's so sad. Again, check out that article in the show notes. You'll see the PowerPoint slide. It doesn't look horrible upon seeing it the first time. I mean, it's not the greatest, but you can kind of read through and see why it was so devastating. Uh, the fact that maybe the information wasn't presented clearly enough, but for these people's, uh, you know, this this information that basically they were using to determine whether or not to risk these people reentering. But Either way, check out the show notes for that. And then the second and last link and last thing for today is a, a link to a Fast Company article. And that's on fastcompany.com. It's called NYC. So New York City is planting secret messages in parks using this typeface for trees. It says all you need is the code to crack them. And, and it's free to download thanks to its creator, the artist Katie Holton. So essentially this article and this kind of I'm kind of throwing back some design stuff. So (laughs) it's been a while since I've talked about any sort of design stuff. But basically, uh, what's happening is New York City is looking at uh, planting trees. I'm not sure if there's a specific park or something that they're talking about doing this in. But basically, this designer or rather artist, uh, this Katie, Katie Holton, she came up with a an alphabet of trees. And so basically worked with some people to figure out which le- which tree would represent which letter in the alphabet, the, the 26 letter alphabet. I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And so basically, when they plant trees, each type of tree will represent a letter. And so this will allow them to plant certain messages in different parks. And because if you have the the template for what each 
tree uh, which tree goes with which letter you can look at the trees in the park and decode a message and so i thought this was kind of a cool idea uh read through this article uh, the link in the show notes to get you know kind of more in depth about how what they're doing uh as far as that goes and you can see the the whole alphabet and which trees they they chose for which letter and i just thought it was kind of a neat idea to put messages based on the type of tree that uh that they plant so it's an interesting way to i'm i'm shocked that they have 26 different types of trees i'm not sure if they do but yeah actually they do made up 26 different trees that stood for its own letter so yeah a a good little read to to go through um especially after reading that first article (laughs) it's kind of brings back a little bit of whimsy (laughs) after reading that other that other depressing article but yeah, check that out in the show notes. Again, that's on fastcompany.com, but I thought I would share that. Okay, so let's wrap things up here. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 67 of the Pixel Swim podcast. Uh, again, go to pixelswim.com for all of the show notes, for those links that I've been talking about, for everything that I can think of to put a link to. I'll put it in the show notes, and you can leave feedbacks on the on the feedbacks <laughs> feedback on the show notes page uh there's a comment section there or you can reach out via email or twitter or MeWe or uh, i guess linkedin if you want i don't think i post anything on linkedin though but either way it's easy it's all easy to find at pixelswim.com you can uh, see all the past episodes and comment there and yeah anyway so that's that's gonna wrap things up for today Thank you again for tuning in. Have a great afternoon or evening or cloudy day or sunny day or snowy day, which we actually had here (laughs) last Saturday. It snowed pretty rapidly for at least a couple hours straight. Didn't stick very much, but either way, have a great, you know what? Have a great sunny day, no matter what the weather is, where you are. Thanks again and Godspeed.